You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. All right, so uh, to get started this morning, I want us to do something a little bit different. So before you get too settled here, I need need your help with this. Um, For just a minute, I want everyone to look around at the people sitting in this room. All right, there you go. Like, don't be shy. I mean, like, literally turn your heads, get a good look. I want you to see Everyone who is in this room, all right, good, you're doing it, great. Just get a good look at everybody in this room. Now, look, I want to tell you something, three things about the people that you just looked at. First, I want you to know that these, these people are real, all right? I got no holograms in here this morning. These are real people that you've just looked at. Second, these people are not perfect. Every single person in this room brings with them a peculiar type of brokenness. That's because we're all sinners and we all have different backgrounds and different personalities. We do. Third, you are called by God to love these people. The people in this room and then also the people outside of this room, wherever you go and find real imperfect people, you, we, are called by God to love them. And therefore, because this is a calling we have from God, it means it is a calling that is independent from our will. Sometimes it can be against our wills. Whether we want to or not, God commands us. He commands us to love people. And I want to start here by saying this because although uh, loving others is the third part of this sermon series and things are going to get more practical for us, I just want to be clear that I want to make sure that you know we are not entering into optional territory. We love others because of God's love. We love others because of God's love and because God has made us his children. Right? Here's the reset. The more we are assured of God's love and of how much we don't deserve it, the more we are humbled and filled with joy, then the more we are poured out in love for others, which all amounts to magnifying the glory of God. So our love for others is derived from God's love and who God makes us to be as his children. And also, God commands us to love. He commands us to love others. And we know this, the command for us to love others is one of the most basic, straightforward commands in the entire Bible. It's part of the great commandment that Jesus tells us about in Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first, the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And when Jesus says there, all the law and the prophets, he's referring to the entire Old Testament. And Jesus is saying that the entire Old Testament depends on the the commands to love God and love people. Or another way to say it is that when it comes to God's will for humanity... 
which he shows us in the Old Testament. If we had to describe God's will for humanity in just one command, that command would be love God and love people too. That's the way Jesus says it. Jesus taught us this in the Gospels. Then the Apostle Paul teaches us the same thing in Romans chapter 13. In Romans chapter 13, verse 8, this is what the Apostle Paul says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And so when it comes to all of the horizontal relational commands of the Old Testament, if you want a summary statement for all of those commands, Paul has that ready for you. Here it is. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus says, that's what Paul says, and that's what Moses said first way back in Leviticus chapter 19, 18. Some of you are maybe reading through Leviticus and you wonder, is there anything good in this book? Get to chapter 19, verse 18. Jesus and Paul are actually quoting Moses. And so when it comes to the Bible, this should be super clear throughout the entire Bible. We are called by God, commanded by God to love one another. That's also what John says in 1 John chapter 3. And so that's what I want us to look at today in our time together. Last week, we talked about who we are. Today, we're talking about what we do. How are we? As the children of God, how are we supposed to live in this world? Let's pray and we'll get started. Our Father, we, we want to know. Father, we want to know your heart. What you think and what you say matters more to us than anything else. And you have made it so clear in your word. You want us to love one another. You just say it so plainly. And so, Father, we ask that you would speak to us today. Deepen our understanding. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you still have your Bible open to 1 John chapter 3, look over in 1 John chapter 4 and check out verse 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 John says there, we love because he, God, first loved us. And, and we've already seen this, I've already said this, but this is a good verse to slow down on, all right? I want us to, to look carefully at what John is saying here. We, we love because God first loved us. That, that is John's main theme when it comes to our love for others. Our love for others is because of God's love for us. And that means we need to know the nature of that because. 
That's an important word. We love because of God's love for us. We understand there's a connection, right? We get there's some connection between God's love and our love, but we need to know more. We need to know more. What is that connection about? How does that connection work? We know in here, we know we need help when it comes to loving others because our lives are full of people we're called to love. And tomorrow you're going to go to work and you're going to see that coworker again. And you know you need help. We all know that we need help when it comes to loving others. And so today, this is what I want to do. I want to give you two truths about the connection between God's love for us and our love for others. And it goes like this. God's love for us gives us the power and the pattern to love others. This is just a two-point sermon, all right? Power and pattern. God's love for us gives us the power and the pattern to love others. We're going to look at both. We're going to start here with the first one. God's love for us gives us the, the power to love others. And, and this is power at the heart level, okay? This is power that comes into us and, and changes us from the inside out, okay? This is a power that is absolutely indispensable. We cannot truly love others without this power. And we know if we've read the Old Testament, this was Israel's problem. See, Israel had all the rules on how to love. When it comes to application, when it comes to getting practical, God gave Israel a paint-by-numbers guide to life. And one of my favorite places where we see this is in Deuteronomy chapter 22. Um, in most of our English translations, um, the publishers will put headings above the chapters to, to kind of give us an idea about what that passage is going to be about. And so... If you have, you don't have to turn there, but if you have an English Standard Version, it's the Bible that I read, if you have that translation, I love the heading above Deuteronomy 22. The heading just says, various laws. Which means there's not really a category for these laws. And if we're honest, these are just a bunch of random rules on how not to be a turd. That's the basic message of Deuteronomy 22. I'll give you an example. Look at this is verse one. It goes like this: Hey, hey, if you're outside one day and you see your neighbor's ox running away from his house, don't ignore that. That's the law. Deuteronomy 22, verse one. Or here's the other one, verse eight. If you're building a new house doing some construction, you have some people helping you with your new house, put a railing around your roof so that nobody falls off and dies. That's the law in Deuteronomy 22. Now, some of the laws, they get more strange. I don't understand all of these laws, but most of the laws are just practical. It's just practical advice on how to love your neighbor. Most of the laws just spell out for us how do we think about other people besides ourselves. That's, that's, that's basically these laws. See, Israel, they had all the how-tos, 
but they didn't have the heart. Which is why a few chapters later in Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to Israel about their future, and he's telling them about God's promise to have mercy on them. And the heart of God's promise to Israel is the new heart that he's going to give them. This is what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. That promise is what's called the new covenant. God is going to give his people a new heart with a new power. And we cannot love others without that power. We cannot truly love others without that power. And there are all kinds of implications here. And uh, we, could, we could talk a long time about this. I just want to mention one implication, okay? This is what I'm going to say. It, all right, the implication, we cannot love, we cannot truly love without this power that God gives us. Here's one implication. I'll say it like this. Just doing something right doesn't mean you're doing it right. Just doing something right doesn't mean you're doing it right. For example, I once heard about this husband who wanted to speak more words of affirmation to his wife. He, he wanted, every day, he wanted to say something encouraging and affirming to her, which is a good thing, right? We all agree. Good is a good thing. Okay. But then this husband, he found out about this new productivity app that allowed you to set daily reminders for tasks that you wanted to do every day. And every day when you completed the task, you would swipe the task to check it off. And so it made sense to this husband to make one of those tasks to be affirming his wife. We're still good, right? And it went, it, it went well for the first week, so I hear. And then after a while, what would happen is that every night before falling asleep, the husband would get notifications on his phone about the task he had not completed that day, which often included the task of affirming his wife. And so in that moment, when he received that notification, he would say something really nice to her. Which, again, we're good, right? This is okay. Because... Every nice thing he said, he meant it, okay? He meant it. These were nice things. But what happened is after a while, the husband, he stopped coming up with new nice things to say, and he just kept saying the same nice thing every single night until one night his wife finally asked him, why do you tell me I'm a good friend every night before we go to bed? <laughs> and he said... Because it's true. And I'm trying to swipe these tasks, right? Here's the thing. God's calling on us to love others means more than checking a box. It goes much deeper than that. And there really are. There just are no shortcuts here. Our love for others has a context, see? 
And before our love can truly extend to someone else, that love must flow from a personal heart response to the love that God has for us. And I'm thankful for good apps, but it always has to come back to our heart response to the love that God has for us. You can try to skip straight to loving others, and you might be able to do, you will, you'll be able to do a few loving things here and there, but when it comes to real, abiding, sustainable love, when it comes to being poured out in love for others, the kind of power needed for that only comes from the love that God has given to us. This is why, this is why our inability to love one another is always a problem with God. I'll say it this way. Every unresolved barrier to love in our horizontal relationships is a reflection of how much we don't understand the vertical relationship of God's love for us. I so mean that. This is especially true in the church. In fact, the Apostle John says that our love for one another in the church or our lack of love for one another is saying something about us. John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So get this. Any kind of attitude or posture toward our brothers and sisters in Christ that is not loving is not of God. And therefore, we repent. We repent, and we know, God, I need to understand more of your love for me. It comes back to that. God, I need to be more assured of your love for me. Loving others is God's moral will for how we're supposed to live in this world. We cannot love others apart from God's love for us. Therefore, we never get past we never get beyond the love of God. We never graduate from the subject of God's love into some kind of deeper subject. There is no deeper subject than the love of God. Remember what Paul prayed for us in Ephesians chapter 3. There are vast dimensions of God's love that we have yet to comprehend. Our comprehension right now of God's love is just scraping the surface. It's like God's love is this endless ocean and we're just playing along the shoreline. Do we want to love others? Do we? Do we want to love others? We need God's power. We, we need to swim in the ocean of God's love. Or to switch the metaphor, we need to drink deeply from the fountain of God's love. And the more we drink in God's love, which tastes a little bit like sweet tea, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing, 
The more we drink in God's love, the more we are assured of God's love, the more we know God's love, the more we are overcome by God's love. Then we are humbled and we're filled with joy and then we become rivers of love poured out for others. Jesus tells us this in his gospel, in the gospel of John. Uh, John tells us this. Jesus says it in the gospel of John chapter 7. Jesus was teaching a big crowd, and this is what Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 37. He says, if anyone, speaking to this crowd, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then right after Jesus says this, John comments, and John says that Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. So God's love gives us the power to love others. And in Romans 5, the Apostle Paul says that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, which just means, to be clear here, this is divine power we're talking about, okay? God's love poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is God's power in us to love others. So if you want to love others better, Know the love of God more. That's it. If you want to love others better, if we want to love, we do. If we want to love others better, we must know the love of God more. If you want to be poured out in love for others, if you want to live faithfully like God has called us to live, ask God to show you more of his love. Yield yourself to the power of God's love already at work within you by his Holy Spirit. Be filled. Ask God. Fill me, God, with your fullness. Be filled with the fullness of God. Husbands and wives in the room, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God. God's love for us gives us power to love others. That's the first thing, all right? Here's the second thing. God's love gives us the, the pattern to love others. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And so before we get into the details here, just notice that John gives us a category. He says that not only does God give us the power to love, but God also gives us the pattern to love. We ought to love like Jesus loved. And this is something that Jesus himself told us to do back in the Gospel of John again. Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 34, Jesus says, <clears throat> A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Well, how, Jesus? How? How are we supposed to love one another? Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And so in the Old Testament... Love for others is spelled out in the law. In the New Testament, love for others is embodied in the life of Jesus. Which means that now, not only do we have precepts worth keeping, but we have a person we are meant to follow. And if we're following Jesus, if we love like how Jesus loved, it means something. It looks, love like Jesus loved looks a certain way. And I think we can see at least three here in 1 John chapter 3. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't have time 
to tell you. I don't have, we don't have time to get into all the details. Okay, look, so I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to mention two quickly, and then we're going to land on a third one, which is going to be our conclusion. So let me just mention two right away. Okay, this is loving in the pattern of Jesus, all right? I'll write something this week and send it out because I had to cut some here in the sermon, all right? So it's hot in here. We, you know, we got to be, be strategic. Okay, look, loving in the pattern of Jesus. Loving in the pattern of Jesus means first, our love for others will bring resentment. We see that in verse, thir- verse 13. We see this. First John chapter 3, John says there, Do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. And John is saying this in the context of love. So in the context of our love, the world's going to hate us. Why? Why, Jesus? Why would love bring resentment? Well, it's because love in the pattern of Jesus is always congruent with truth. Any idea we have of love that is floppy and any idea we have of love that is without conviction is not the kind of love that Jesus had. Everything, every single thing that Jesus did, he did out of love and people hated him. And so we should not expect anything different and Jesus told us not to. All right, that's the first. Moving on. Second, loving in the pattern of Jesus means second, our love for others actually makes a difference. This is verse 18. Look at verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. It's one thing to talk about love. It's another thing to actually love. Loving others in the Jesus way is action. We're talking about deeds here. This is not abstract. This is not hypothetical. This is a type of love that rolls up its sleeves and makes a difference. That was the life of Jesus, wasn't it? Jesus came into this world and he got dirt under his fingernails which is an incredible understatement, right? The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, I love this verse, let all that you do be done in love. I I pray that for our kids all the time. Let all that you do be done in love, which means that all of our doing should be loving And all of our loving should be doing. If, if we will love others in the patterns of Jesus, if we will love others the way Jesus loved others, we will be difference makers. Straight up. If we love the way Jesus loved, we will be difference makers. Now the third thing. I'm going to close with this one because I think this last point is the most fundamental. Loving others in the pattern of Jesus means, third, our love for others is sacrificial in nature. That's what John says there in verse 16. He says, by this we know love that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. Jesus laying down his life 
is equated with love. That's how we recognize love. It's sacrifice. John also tells us this in his gospel. In the gospel of John, Jesus is speaking in John 15, 13, and Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for those he loves. The apostle Paul talks the same way in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, Paul is teaching husbands how to love in the same way that Jesus loved. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There is no question here. There's no question. Loving others in the pattern of Jesus, loving others in the Jesus way, hands down, it means sacrificial love. And this is something that the boys and I have been talking about all summer long. It, it, sacrificial love is something that I'm trying to grow in in all kinds of itty-bitty ways. And it's something I want to see my sons grow in. I want to, my, my sons are future men. And this is important. So I want them to know what it means to live in sacrificial love. And so as I've been trying to explain to my boys what sacrificial love is, we've landed on a definition. This is how the definition goes. Trying to explain it to my boys. What is sacrificial love? Sacrificial love means caring for others when it costs. Caring for others when it costs. And there are different degrees. There, there are different levels, different degrees of sacrificial love, and different situations will ask of us these different degrees. But when it comes to the heart, when it comes to the everyday pattern of loving like Jesus loved, whether that means giving our brother the largest portion of ice cream or taking a bullet for someone, sacrificial love means caring for others at a cost to yourself. And Pastor Josh, ice cream makes these things relevant for us too. There's, this is coincidence that we're both talking about ice cream today. Uh, it's the summer, so here's the thing. I'll say it this way. Sacrificial love at any level, whatever the, the, the levels are, in its most basic form, at the heart, sacrificial love means caring for others at a cost to yourself. So hear this. If you always have to have the largest portion of ice cream, or if you never change the diaper, you will never take the bullet. Can you guys just hear that as metaphorically as possible? Okay? Loving others in the way Jesus loved means caring for others when it costs, at a cost to ourselves. There are all kinds of different levels as far as how that looks. But this one thing they have in common is caring for others when it costs. And if you won't change a diaper, and if you won't give up the largest portion of ice cream, you're never going to lay down your life. You're never going to take a bullet. So don't think, you, don't think you can skip on the little stuff, and you're going to deliver when it matters. You get what I'm saying? Caring for others at a cost to yourself. Now, when I say that, I can tell. I can see, I can see it in your faces. When I'm talking here about sacrificial love and the different ways that we show it and live it, our minds are, are going all kinds of different places. We're thinking, what does this look like for me? How do I live this way? I think that's good, okay? I, wanna, I want us to do a little bit of self-assessment here, okay? I want you to ask yourself this question. 
honestly ask yourself this question. Do I really love others at a felt cost to myself? And all the moms are like, all day, every day, right? And that's why moms are amazing. But ask the, ask the question. Track with me here, okay? Three questions, three questions. Ask these questions. Do I really love others at a felt cost to myself? Do I love this way without grumbling? Do I love this way without making sure the people I love know it's a sacrifice? See, one of the hardest things about sacrificial love is that we live in a culture that measures success by comfort. The American dream is about making yourself as comfortable as possible. It's always been about comfort, okay? Comfort is the air we breathe. That's why we're supposed to make good grades in school. That's why we're supposed to go to college. That's why we want to get a good job. Everything is about comfort. The goal is to be comfortable. That's what the whole system is about, comfort. But the problem is that comfort is almost the opposite of sacrifice. To choose sacrifice means to choose discomfort. Sacrificial love is going to cost you something. And you live in a world that says the good life is easy. Which means the only way, the only way that we are ever going to love in the pattern of Jesus is if we keep our eyes on Jesus. We love because he, God, first loved us. That's the air that we have to breathe. That's the air we have to breathe. That's where we have to hit reset. The more we are assured of God's love, God, overcome me with your love. Make me know your love. The more we are assured of God's love and how much we don't deserve it, the more we are humbled and filled with joy, then the more we are poured out in love for others. That's what brings us to this table. We come to this table every week, and it's so important for how we love others because we can only pour ourselves out in love for others because the love of God has been poured out for us. That's what this table is about. At this table, the bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us, and the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And together, this bread and this cup reminds us about the love of God. We as sinners were estranged from him. We did not know God and we did not want God. But God in his love, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, because we are united to Jesus by faith, he has taken us who are dead and he has made us alive. He has taken us who were guilty and he has made us righteous. He has taken us who were his enemies, and he has made us his children. See, see what kind of love 
the Father has for us. We're going to serve the bread first this morning. If that is true of you, if you are a child of God, if God has poured his love into your hearts, I want to invite you to eat and to drink with us. Hold the bread. I'll come back up and we will eat it all together. His body is the true bread. Let us serve you.